Kevin Bowen here. Don't forget to listen to The Fan now on 93.5 or 107.5 FM. And check out our latest coverage online at 1075thefan.com. And with that, the NFL offseason is officially here. Kevin Bowen, back. Another edition of Kevin's Corner. Joey Molinero across the way. Happy February. Happy officially the offseason is here after 3120. Is that the final? Yeah, I think that so. Final. 3120. Chiefs over the 49ers. What do you think? You like it? Entertainment? Last. 10 minutes, I guess, certainly achieved that. What are your overall thoughts, Joe? Yeah, I've really, I've come to grips with that. Kansas City truly is the, the, not this year Golden State, but in the heydays of Golden State, that's what they are in the NFL now. Mm, I like that. All of a sudden, snap a finger five minutes and a two-score lead that you have becomes a two-score deficit. And it just happens so quickly that really a five-minute spurt for them in a, in a, you know, 60-minute football game. Yeah, that's a great comparison. Yeah, I mean, it's like eight points in 40 seconds in the NBA is the equivalent to what Kansas City has done in the playoffs. And not only do they erase these double-digit deficits in every game, they've been won by double digits in every game. Like, it's not like they're just eking out these wins. All of a sudden, you're at the end, and you're like, oh, yeah, wow, they just won by 11. (laughs) So much for sweating things out there with, you know, eight minutes to go when you're down by 10. So, um We'll, we'll focus here on the Super Bowl to start. We'll touch on Edron James briefly on today's podcast and then uh, rank the positions of need for the Colts here in uh, in 2020. I think there's a lot of debate and a lot of dominoes that can impact you know where those positions rank, and then we'll get into Twitter questions as always. But I feel like, Joey, for every team that does not play in the Super Bowl, it's always like, what can you learn from the teams that were in the Super Bowl? Or what can you learn from Kansas City in the in the Super Bowl and you know it's always kind of the question of like well the Colts beat the Chiefs so that means they're close and then I'm always like well yes but the Colts also lost to the Dolphins at home you know you kind of get into this when you focus so much on like one individual game over a 16 game NFL season and that's at both ends of the spectrum obviously the Colts are not as bad as losing to the Dolphins at home but they're not as good as beating the Chiefs on the road, even though it was a great win and everything. We saw on Sunday what Tyreek Hill and his presence means to the Chiefs, and I guess that maybe is my – it's probably my biggest takeaway from the postseason and how it unfolded. I could have told you before the playoffs started that having an elite quarterback means a lot. Yeah, and that's not breaking news on Kevin's corner. We have, you know, really just – drilled that um also having a great defensive line certainly helps and I do think Kansas City ramped up some of that pressure in that game and they were able to um, create a little bit more uh, just kind of hurried pockets and Jimmy Garoppolo maybe not having um, as much time to work with uh, that he had and and I know he didn't throw it much in the NFC playoffs or or the run of the Super Bowl that, that that he had during the regular season um but I think my biggest takeaway is just what you see elite skill players, how they can change the game. And, and you know, I probably 
would have thought that, you know, a month ago, but it was reinforced watching that game on Sunday night in that you know, Tyree Kill and Travis Kelsey, Tyree Kill is the fastest wide receiver in the league, probably the fastest player in the league. Travis Kelsey is arguably the best tight end in football. And then they went out and spent big money on Sammy Watkins because they know full well when teams try and take away Hill and uh, and Kelsey, you got to have the ability to have someone else that can take advantage of those one-on-one opportunities. And how big was Sammy Watkins on Sunday night? Mm-hmm. I mean, huge getting behind Richard Sherman. And I think he had nearly 100 yards receiving. And, you know, Watkins is a guy that I thought the Colts should have uh, should have gone after a couple years ago because, you know, that's that former top 10 pick. It doesn't work out in a city where they haven't had good quarterback play in 20 years. And now Kansas City takes a chance. And I know it hasn't been all consistent for him, but he's flashing some moments. And I would say that uh, he was probably – I mean, he was one of their key, key parts in winning the the Super Bowl. So I think that's something as well um, of, like, you have these elite skill players that, for one, produce for you. Two, they command so much attention. But now you have a third complimentary piece. And I'm not even talking about Damian Williams as well, who, you know, arguably could have been the MVP. Sammy Watkins is able to do what the Colts have not been able to find in that support at the receiver position for their top guys. So, again, I know, you know, I know the pass rush means a lot. I know the quarterback means even more than that. But I I guess that was kind of one of my takeaways. Yeah, I mean, I'd just say overall it's not a great look for the Chris Ballard build through stacking in the draft and, you know, the the D-line. You know what I mean? Like, it's – You need to use more of the avenues that are available to you. It's it's like we talked about on last week's podcast. Both teams, San Francisco and Kansas City, whether it's Sherman and D. Ford and Emmanuel Sanders for San Francisco and, hell, I mean, trading for Jimmy G, I guess, or Kansas City with what you've done in free agency with Watkins, what they've done to trade for Frank Clark and, and, um, you know, even in their secondary, certainly the Honey Badger has been one of their better players as well. You cannot be afraid to use those avenues. So um, I think it's vital. And I get like, and I thought both of these teams used it well. San Francisco more so throughout their run and San Francisco a lot on Sunday, or uh, Kansas City a lot on Sunday night. If you can get home with four or five from a pass rush standpoint consistently, boy, that helps you out so much. And like, when is the last time the Colts have consistently gotten home with four or five i mean the heydays probably years yeah. i mean years sure you know a walden flash a couple of years ago but again consistent rushing mathis leads the league in sacks in 29 in 2013 i mean that's it that's it so um yeah it, it's just it, it reinforces a lot of things that i think as we look at the Colts, and we'll get into it here shortly, of their offseason checklist, boy, arguably the top three most important needs for the Colts this offseason, we saw on full display in Kansas City and San Francisco making their runs. It wasn't all, oh, man, I wish the Colts were here. This game sucks, halftime, blah, blah, blah. It was pretty good over the weekend for Colts fans because Edron James got the call yes. to the hall. Gold teeth to gold jacket. I love that Instagram caption. Yeah, from Edger nice. and James, you know I've I'm you know I've turned thirty years old, Joey. So now I'm old enough to 
repeat stories on this podcast, and I don't think I've repeated this, or at least I hope I'm not about to repeat it, but stop me if I have. Have I ever told you about my grandma on Edrin James? Uh, I don't think so. Not in at least a year or two. Okay. Well, yeah, hopefully we've gained some new listeners then in that time, and yeah. they will actually hear it for the first time. Um, so my so my grandma was a diehard Colts fan. Wasn't a big Peyton fan. Didn't hmm. love Peyton. Um, which I think might have pushed her to a different table, you know, in the old dining room that uh, that she didn't love Peyton in the uh, in the um, the old retirement home. She loved Edge. Any any particular reason? I think she loved Edge for the just authenticity and just the realness, and she thought Peyton was a little fake. Huh? Yeah. Okay. You know, hot take. Her and I wish she was on this earth still. Sure. To defend herself, but that was you know, 10 years ago that she passed. But anyways, she wanted to be buried in burial site 32. Oh, my goodness. For Edge. Wow. So I know she's happy right now that awesome. Edge finally got the call yeah. into Canton. And it's about damn time. You know, I tweeted out Saturday night. It's about damn time that Edron James got the call. Joey, like, I think we we will start to have more of an appreciation for what Edron James did as we watch running backs continue to play the game of football over the next 15 years. You know, like, when we evaluate quarterbacks right now, we're kind of like, wow, we're really going to put, like, seven or eight guys into the Hall of Fame from this current quarterback group? Like, guys that played football in the NFL last year. Mm-hmm. You know, Roethlisberger, Rivers, Rodgers, Brady, Mahomes, uh, Russell Wilson, Eli Manning, like, you could throw all of them into the Hall of Fame, and we're not even getting into like crazy debates of Matt Ryan or Matthew Stafford or I don't even know who else that I'm probably forgetting right now. You know, maybe one day, well down the road, Deshaun Watson or Lamar Jackson. But the here now is this: running backs. Who the hell are you putting in the Hall of Fame that's currently playing in the NFL right now? Adrian Peterson and Frank Gore. Mm-hmm. But then it's like, okay, you think Ezekiel Elliott. If he continues to do what he's done so far, but then who? I mean, Maybe David. Saquon Barkley. You know, David Johnson has tapered tapered off. Saquon, you know, would would be a guy on that list, but again, some injuries and obviously hasn't won a lot. And we're only two years into his career, but like running backs are being devalued and quarterbacks are being valued even more. And so when you see what Edron did in his career, and I know the game has changed a lot since Edron even played, but. And I thought Mike Mike Chappell did a great job in presenting Edge this year with um, a letter from Peyton Manning just talking about the importance that Edron James had to those Colts teams. Right. And I think he was kind of – it should be remembered that Edge was a huge, huge piece to – you go 3-13 and 13 Peyton's first year, boom, Edge comes in and you're 13-3 and three and Edge is leading the league in rushing. And then he tears his ACL and I'm pretty sure you go 6-10 and 10 in that season. So it's it, it, I think people forget just how much Edron James did for the Colts, and then he goes to Arizona and he's got two thousand yard seasons. It's not like you know people can throw away the Seattle Edron James. Sure, I, I, yeah. I, I kind of forget that he even played out there, but I mean Arizona, he still did something. And I, played in the Super Bowl. I was gonna say the Cardinals. Yeah. That was the yeah. Pittsburgh mm-hmm. Pittsburgh Super Bowl. So yeah, I mean he was on a Super Bowl. Team, um, you know, didn't win one. The Colts and I think Jim Mercer gave him a ring for that 2006 Super Bowl because he left the year before that. But I, I'm glad he got in. I, I think he deserved. It. I was not shocked that Reggie didn't get in at all. We forget that Marvin Harrison 
had to wait three years. Yeah, that's wild. Which is a crime. And I guess saying Marvin Harrison and crime in the same sentence probably isn't good, but let's just move on because mm-hmm. the YouTube commenters will be after me. Took a real shot at him there. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> that was good. I mean, you, you, you nailed the first one. You set me up for the second one. Right. That's teamwork. That's mm-hmm. team. That's why we're nearing 200 podcasts Yeah, exactly. With this. Um, Peyton next year. You know, Peyton, Peyton will go in next year. And I'm glad, like, Edge did not – you know, if he doesn't get in this year, Joey, then you're kind of like, oh, God. Peyton, Charles Woodson. I, I guess people are like Calvin Johnson's a first balloter. I'm like, uh, what? I don't know. I, that, I don't know. But Isaac Bruce got in this year, which I think Reggie will eventually get in. He's got a nice postseason resume. Sure. Um, which is key, but I was not surprised by that at all. Just please don't have the Colts in the uh, – in that Canton Hall of Fame preseason game. Yeah, throw the Broncos on there for Peyton. Broncos Raiders. There you go. And and this year, let's get the Steelers in there for Palomalu and, uh, I don't know, Seahawks for Steve Hutchinson or I don't know. You got Steve Atwater for the Broncos. I don't know. You got Palomalu, Cower, and Donnie Schell all going in this year. Oh, I forgot about the senior. Yep. Yeah, Cower is going in. Yeah, Steelers. Yeah, I mean, it's a given. Absolute given. So congrats to Edge. Yes. Very big. Like you said, caption was awesome. Gold teeth, a gold jacket. Happy Gilmore line in there somewhere, but it's neither <laughs> here nor there. All right, let's get into the here and now for the Colts. Offseason is officially here. It's been here for the Colts since January 1, or really after December 29th. But uh, Maybe even before that. Re- yeah, definitely even before people. that. Um, but now we're officially here looking ahead to free agency draft. Let's rank the position of need 1 to 10. So how we're going to do this, Joey, is we're going to break down each position and then, like you said, it's a 1 to 10 ranking. 10 mean lots of resources need to go into it, that sort of thing. 1 being, obviously, let's let's not worry about that at all. So when we start with quarterback, I, I'm going to give it a 10. And, you know, I know some people might sit here and be like, that's a little absurd. And I don't say that to take a shot at Jacoby Brissett. I don't. He's not a uh, – he's not horrific. Like – Jacoby Brissett, like I've mentioned before, I think he's a, a 20 to 25 sort of starter in this league. But I think, and, you know, recency bias certainly backs this up, but it's just that that position means so damn much. Just literally watch the Super Bowl. I mean, third and 15, they're down 10 points in that game, Kansas City, and Dan Orlovsky, who. I think has become the new kind of like go-to analyst almost mm-hmm. in the NFL. Uh, laid it out perfectly, diagramming that play of, first off, San Francisco, Tyreek Hill was just targeted in the previous two plays. A stoppage challenge because the Tyreek Hill completion was turned incomplete. Where's the ball going? You know where it's going, yeah. Tyreek Hill. And what Mahomes does a great job of on that play is, and Dan Orlovsky points this out, he takes like an 11-step drop, which Bruce Arians might be the only human being that probably is like, yes, further <laughs> yeah, back, right, yeah. go further back. <laughs> like everyone else is like, oh my gosh, quick rhythm quarterbacks. No, don't, don't do that. And Mahomes is like, I got to give my guy a chance to get down the field, and I need a chunk. I don't need 18 yards. I need a play that's going to change this game, and that's exactly what happens. They get Hill isolated on the safety which is, you know, again, for as much as we want to blame Kyle Shanahan, Robert Saleh not doing a great job there in terms of knowing where Hill is on the field. And your stud makes a play. Your MVP makes a play. 
Um, and I just think, you know, it goes off Chris Boward's comments with, with, with Dan Dockich on our airwaves a couple weeks ago. It's the hardest position in sports. Sports, plural, mm-hmm. everything. Cricket, Quidditch, whatever all those other sports are. Golf, is golf a sport? I I think it is. Probably some, yeah. some listeners don't. Um, it means so much. And I think when you don't have it or you don't have the guaranteed answer, to me, Joey, it's always going to be like eight or nine, or in this case, I'm labeling it ten. And a big reason why that I'm labeling it 10 is because you haven't drafted a developmental piece at quarterback since 2012. And I, I get it. I understand. Like, Andrew Luck is your quarterback, but it's time to seriously invest at the quarterback position. So that's why I believe that it means as much as I, I'm labeling it out there. Again, it's not necessarily what I think of Jacoby Brissett. It's the fact that you need a guy in your building that you believe thinks has the a, a, a ceiling that is high enough to get you to have the sustained success. And so that's why I'm gonna I'm gonna give it a ten. And, and for those that missed it, 1075thefan.com, a new article up today. We're taping this on Tuesday afternoon. Talks about the quarterback traits, specific traits from Frank Reich, Nick Sirianni, and Chris Ballard of what they consider makes an elite quarterback um you know I started work on this kind of late in the season when when obviously I realized the playoffs weren't going to happen for the Colts and it, it it paints at least a picture of what the Colts are looking for or what they consider is an elite quarterback so check that out if you haven't already let's move on we we're talking about edge um running back where's that stand I'm gonna give it a three and you know the only reason it's it's as high as a three, Joey, is because my old philosophy of ah, why not draft a running back every year? There's always injuries. Yeah. Um, I see some people kind of bitching about the talk of Marlon Matt getting a contract extent, uh, contract extension. Yeah, people gotta always bitch. You know, I, I I don't I don't have like, I think people know where I stand on running back. You know, I've I've mentioned it before. Draft one every year. I, I kind of like that idea. Um. It's not like you're giving Marlon Mack, at least I don't think you would be, Ezekiel Elliott money. It's not like you're giving him a six-year contract. He's 23 years old. Mm -hmm. That is so young for any player in the NFL, let alone a running back, to be going into his second contract. And when you look at your current skill group, who do you look at, Joey, and say, in three years, this guy is going to be a key piece for the Colts? Maybe Hilton, maybe but Doyle, the, yeah. but both those two guys are, you know, I, I I I made the golf analogy last week. They'd be walking up the 18th hole at that point. Paris Campbell, you would hope, obviously, but that's a hope. Mm-hmm. Marlon Mack is it, he's the most definite of any guy on this roster, yeah. and I know that's weird to say about a running back, but that's the truth. That's where we're at right now. So uh, I'm good with extending Marlon Mack. Again, I'm not saying six year, fifty million, or whatever you want to throw out there, but just there's just a reliability. And I know there's some other factors that have played into this, but you know the Colts are 0-6 the last two years when Marlon Mack doesn't play. So he's becoming the new T.Y. Hilton. Yeah. Very important. And I know, I mean, Costanzo didn't play in some of those games last year, but like 0-6 is, uh, that's six losses and zero wins. So 
Um, there you go. Turn off the podcast now if you want to hear me state the easiest fact in the world. But <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, I give it a three, Joey, because you still have Hines on the rookie contract. You still have Wilkins on a rookie contract. Jonathan Williams is a free agent, uh, but I, I just don't think it's that pressing this offseason. One that is pressing, and a lot of people are hoping for maybe even the first round wide receiver. Nine and a half. I feel like a Russian judge over here. So you got one one A and one B with quarterback and wide receiver. Yeah, and there will be another that you know, yeah, I'll throw. One I'll, I'll throw close to that group. Yeah, but um, nine and a half. And why I say that high, Joey, is because of a similar sort of philosophy that I talked about last year with the receiver position. It's a need in the present, and it's a need in the future. Um, T.Y. Hilton is not getting any younger. He's 30 years old. He just missed the most games of his career due to injury. It's both. It's in the here and now, and it's definitely when you have one eye looking forward to the future. Um, I know some people, uh, and and at some point when the Colts make the hires official from a coaching standpoint, we'll, we'll get into some of the coaching changes on the staff, but it looks like their hiring might grow. Um who might be a name to some fans, might be a name that, you know, sounds like your CPA or something like that. Um, I don't know if people have CPAs, actually. I think they maybe just have, like, financial planners. But anyways, Mike Grow took over for Frank Reich as the offense coordinator in Philly. Fired, uh, I think, earlier this month or maybe at the end of the season. Um, he, was, uh, he was in Alabama when they recruited and I think coached Amari Cooper for one year. Mm. This is the season where we make coaches' connections to free agents, so. Yeah. Maybe. Sure. You know, I, I, I would be a fan. Uh, still still young, I think under 25 or 6. So, um, you know, Cooper is probably the biggest name at wideout in the free agent market and, I think uh, I think heavy resources need to be invested into the wideout group in both free agency and in the draft. You know me. I, I'm already loving that potential hire with the uh, fun that you can have with that last name. Grow? Mm-hmm. Let's hear it. What As are you thinking about? Mike, grow a pair and call better plays. <laughs> Mike, grow a pair and throw the ball down the field. <laughs> that's so dead I'm, oh, I'm I'm all over it that's, I'm ready that's so you're on your fourth beer on the couch just thinking that you're literally on Saturday Night Live next uh, week. <laughs> I am ready for 2020 Mike Grow, wide receivers coach that's that's some of the rumored rumored stuff right now so, all right. yeah we'll get into that a little bit later what about tight end tight end I'm gonna go with seven mm. um I, I think it's such a big piece in Frank Reich's offense and you know, say what you will about Eric Ebron, you still lacked a receiving presence down the field and in the red zone. You see Ebron chirping again on Twitter? Oh, boy. Nope. He's like, I'm going to have a tell-all. <laughs> God. Yeah. I, I'm fascinated to see what his free agency looks like. Well, uh, Antonio Brown's had a few of those. Let's yeah. see how, how well that's worked uh, out for him. At least Antonio Brown has proven himself on the football field. At least he used to prove himself on the football field a little bit more than Eric Ebron. But... Um, yeah, I'm going to go with seven. You know, I, I love what Jack Doyle brings this offense, but you need more flash at tight end than yeah. just that. Um, so you're talking red zone. You're talking third down. Just a little bit more of a vertical threat at the tight end position. 
I know some people have mentioned mentioned Greg Olson. I don't like it. I mean, Greg Olson prone, older, very old. Um, and I don't look at Greg Olson as like, again, he's that red zone, you know, kind of throw it up to make a play a little bit more of a 50-50 sort of thing for um, whoever your quarterback is to start the 2020 season. So I probably like the draft a little bit more. I know Hunter Henry and Austin Hooper are a couple tight ends on the free agent market that could be worth looking into. But, uh, yeah, I'm going to go with seven here just because, again, it means so much to Frank Reich's offense. Big domino this offseason comes on the O-line. Anthony Costanzo doesn't come back. This goes up real high. It does. It does. And as we record this right now, again, still nothing on the AC front. I'm going to go with six. And I guess I guess I'm expecting. Uh, I, I I shouldn't say that. I'm under the impression. God, that, that sounds awful, too. I don't know if Anthony Costanzo is coming back or not. We will operate as if he is coming back. Don't read into that any more than it's just me trying to make this as less um, awkward as I just did. Sure. But uh, let's go with Costanzo coming back under this scenario. I'll give it a six. You still need to find, I think, your next tackle. And that's why I put six on there because I think a, a notable resource needs to be used here along the offensive line. I mean, you were one injury away, Joey, from – and every offensive line is one injury away, but – you know, you were one injury from all of a sudden Josh Andrews or Joe Haig taking on a totally different role than they played in 2019. Yeah. So I don't think we can just ignore that. You can't take that for granted. So if Costanzo decides to retire, nine-ish. Right, there's a 1C or 1B minus yeah. on good, you know, compared to the quarterback and wide receiver. All right, let's move over to the defensive side of the ball. A lot of questions that need to be answered from guys already on the roster on the D-line. Yeah, and you know what? It's funny that you mentioned kind of 1A, 1B, 1C. It's almost like now this is 1D. Like I, I really look at it right now as we sit here on February 4th as quarterback, receiver, potentially offensive line, and defensive line. If Chris Ballard were to invest top dollar in any of those position groups and for agency, and or spend a first-round pick on any of those positions, I probably wouldn't argue too much against it. You know, maybe maybe taking a, a wide out in round one. You know, I'm not, like, obsessed with that idea. But, I mean, everything else you can make a pretty strong case for. And I, I'm going to go with a nine on the defensive line. I think uh, – it's a great rhyme. I uh, – <laughs> I think the interior means a little bit more than the edge, which is not something I would have said in prior years. And I think it means more in Chris Ballard's eyes. You know, he's talked a lot about the three technique and, and upgrading that. When you look at the edge, obviously Justin Houston is still under contract for another year. Just turned 31. You know, played in every game for the first time since 2014. And like Kamoko Turi, definite flash. Now he's coming back from a serious injury. Uh, and then secondly... Ben Banigou. You know, I thought there was a little bit there to work with, a little bit more than maybe just the stats indicated. But still, uh, you have no kind of locked-in answer off the edge, and you can never have too much edge. But, I mean, dude, popping that Super Bowl film. I mean, Eric Armstead, he was getting in the backfield a ton for the mm-hmm. 49ers. And Chris Jones, I mean, how many passes did Chris Jones bat down in that game? Yeah. Some huge 
huge plays um, out of the interior of, of the defensive line. So I'll go with nine there. We're going to be getting a lot of questions about Chris Jones, I'm sure, coming yeah. up in Twitter questions. Mm-hmm. We'll get to those later. Okay, got the maniac at linebacker. What do we think about uh, that group? Yeah, I'm going to go with four. Um, you know, it's an interesting – it's the group that's been rebuilt the most under Chris Ballard. If I'm not mistaken, every linebacker that saw the field for the Colts last season on defense I think was a Chris Ballard draft pick. Um, Leonard, Okariki. Walker, uh, Matthew Adams, EJ Speed, and Zaire Franklin. I, mean, I think all of them were, wow. were yeah. Bauer draft picks. So um, you talk about the trio of Leonard, Walker, Okariki. That's pretty good to me. That's that that's in a and Ballard is extremely high on Okariki. He is really really um, high on him and, and thinks that the future is bright. You know, from a from an athletic standpoint. They're similar to Leonard. I think a difference from Okariki is just does he have the same instincts? You know, Leonard has these just crazy instincts. Um, I think that's probably the biggest difference in their game. So I'll go with four. I mean, maybe you know, if you if you think there needs to be an upgrade, maybe Anthony Walker isn't your linebacker of the future. Future, I think he's a pretty good player and probably not as appreciated enough. So yeah, uh, I'll go four there couple more on the defensive side of the ball corner cornerback give me six and a half um thought it might be higher than that did you yeah i i i could see that but i guess with you know rock having a you know decent rookie season then kenny moore yeah you know a couple of reasons why i go six and a half joey one is this of your 12 unrestricted free agents none of them are corners so it's not like you need to go out and get corners, like from a pure quantity or personnel standpoint. Secondly, a lot of these corners are under team security for multiple years. Kenny Moore, Pierre Desir, uh, Rocky Yassin, Marvell Tell. So, again, th- th- there are some pieces to work with. Having said all that, it's at 6.5 for the reason that I think you're getting at of like, the group did not play up to par this past season. Pierre Desir is, I think he's 30 years old. He might turn 30 this year. And Quincy Wilson, you know, he could be cut tomorrow, and I wouldn't be shocked. So those are all reasons as to why you would put it at 6.5, and, and obviously corner means a ton in the NFL. I think what's definitely needed is you got to find more of a quality backup at that nickel position for Kenny Moore. I mean, Kenny Moore gets hurt. Early in that Tennessee game, I want to say it was, or at some point in that Tennessee game. It's like a December 1st game against the Titans. Kenny Moore goes out. Ryan Tannehill attacks Roland Milligan. Boom, for the game-clinching touchdown to uh, the Raymond kid. 40, 50-yard, beautiful route, beautiful throw on a third and 10. Next week, Jameis Winston has a career day. The next week, Drew Brees sets an NFL record. And Kenny Moore doesn't play another snap the rest of the season. Like, we know Kenny Moore means a lot, but um, he shouldn't mean that much. Yeah, you know? like it, yeah. it shouldn't it shouldn't be that much. So, uh, you know, maybe maybe there's a guy in the free agent market that you look into, um, but I just don't think it's like as neon flashing light 
crazy need as some of the other positions on your roster. Let's finish up with safety before we get to Twitter questions. Yeah, give me a five here. Malik Hooker, Kari Willis, your pencil them in as your day one starters. George Odom, I, I think, is a pretty good backup, but you need safeties to play special teams. You need safeties to be versatile parts on your defense. We know tight ends um, you know, ha- have a big role in this league, so sometimes those safeties can come in and, and match up on third down. That was clearly the role for Kari Willis this season, so maybe some depth, especially with Clayton Gathers potentially walking in free agency, so I'll go with five at safety. All right, Twitter question time. All right, let's start with Mac. He says, with the Chiefs winning the Super Bowl on Sunday night, it again highlights that the quarterback playing at the highest, highest level uh, at that point, see Nick Foles, Pat Mahomes, tends to win the Super Bowl over a more completely bolstered roster. Do you support this theory? I completely believe we should go after the quarterback with the greatest upside, not some sort of 10 to 15 ranked quarterback, say Kirk Cousins type. Also, was mind blown when I realized Joey Molinero was the same guy I had been listening to on the pod as the impersonator I've seen on Twitter. Yes, in fact, that that's is, him. Yeah, Joey Molinero. Not, not many of uh, the Molineros out there, so we are one and the same. I loved uh, today. I don't know if that was like a person interviewing with us, but just coming across the corner and be like, "Oh, Joey Molinero, follow you on Twitter." Yeah. Anyways, uh, do you support that theory though? Um. I do. Yeah, I I do. Um, You know, I I could not be more of a proponent of, again, I I feel like the consistent way of finding 10, 11, 12 in seasons year in, year out is the elite quarterback. Like, you don't see franchises very often achieve that sort of success and that quarterback turn over a lot. Nor do you see that quarterback being Trent Dilfer. Right. Or just some kind of, uh, I mean, look at the AFC quarterbacks in the last 15 years. Take out Flacco one year. And I mean AFC Super Bowl quarterbacks. Take out Flacco. Everyone else is Super Bowl or a uh, Hall of Famer besides Mahomes. Which, which <laughs> on his way, yeah. I mean, Manning, Roethlisberger. Brady. Brady. Yeah. So, yeah, I I don't think my stance will ever change. I like how San Francisco has gone about building their team, and I I think they are close, very close. Obviously, they had a 10-point lead with 10 minutes going to the Super Bowl. Um, And really, I don't think Jimmy G has a whole lot of skill around him. So, they they had the number one overall pick last year. Like I, I don't think anyone expected San Francisco to be where they are. But I think Garoppolo, at times in the regular season, he played like a top 10 ish quarterback maybe a little bit further than that so um let's not lose lose sight of that either from wake spike says hey guys this is a debated topic at my house would the halftime show have been better without j-lo and just shakira the entire time oh i i think uh no i i think you needed j-lo in there as well j-lo is 50 yeah. freaking years old yeah that's crazy mm-hmm. plus you needed a rod selfies from the field that was great those videos that he was taking, yeah. He Imagine threw his- in J-Lo's daughter, a little bit of a sentimental value. And, yeah, I was uh, – boy, what's your hot take on the halftime show? I got none. I, I, I'm i with you. I, I think that it was just a perfect uh, marriage for a performance, especially in Miami. Yeah, right? get because- the Hispanic heritage going there. I was good with it. I didn't have some flaming – I mean, shit, okay, they're barely wearing any cl- – like, 
go watch your the Dallas Cowboys cheerleaders perform right. on the sidelines. You know? I, yeah. I, come no. on, people. But Shakira was great, but Shakira isn't as... Amer- you know, she has hips don't lie, right? But, like, J-Lo has way more She's known not hits. Right. You know, for America that people are recognized. Shakira's you know got I mean? three to four songs, but then, you know, I... I watched the game with, you know, couples around our age and like even some of the girls were like, wait, what's that Shakira song? Right. She's, you know, and, and whereas like J-Lo, it's like, you know, these icon, you know, a little bit older of a demographic as well that you're reaching into, even though, you know, Shakira, I didn't realize she was that old. She was what, 42 some, or 43, yeah. something like that? J-Lo has, you know, Jenny from the Block, Let's Get Loud, yeah, uh, you on know. The floor. Yeah, all those. So yeah. I, I, I was good with it. I don't have some squ- – it's the it's the freaking Super Bowl halftime show. As long as Janet Jackson's boob isn't being exposed, are we really that mad? Yeah. And some people maybe weren't mad at that either. From Rob, does the importance Ballard places on the Senior Bowl lead to bias causing him to undervalue players coming out early? Also, the Colts shock everyone and don't draft a quarterback this year. What quarterbacks are coming out next year that might be targets? Well, I don't think he – who asked this? Rob. Rob, it's an interesting question. I don't think he, like, is that gung-ho on the, on the senior bowl. I think it's a great evaluation period. And, you know, I, I would have to break it down, but I'm sure there are other teams that, that, you know, have a large focus on the senior bowl as well. But let's remember what the senior bowl is. It's literally probably the top – hundred seniors like <laughs> that's a lot of talent you know it's nine I think I'm throwing out this number but for some reason nine is stuck in my head I believe nine first round picks from last year's senior bowl so you know nine teams not the Colts thought senior bowl guys were worthy of mm-hmm. first round picks as far as the quarterbacks next year obviously Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields appear to be the hottest names the kid from Texas Ellinger yeah Sam Ellinger I think is another name up there. And I think a trend that we're starting to see is, you know, some of these one-year starters. I mean, Bur- was Burrow thought to be a first-round? No. Burrow was not even close to being a first-round pick this time last year. I mean, you're seeing, like, Anthony Gordon for Washington State taking over for um, Gardner Minshew. Like, there's a name as well. You know, K.J. Costello, a Stanford quarterback that might have been drafted, you know, round three, four, five, somewhere around there. He just transferred to Mississippi State to be with Mike Leach. Does that improve his, you know, NFL resume a, a, as well? So, you know, I think it's supposed to be a, a good quarterback class again next year, but there's so much unknown of what can happen in the next 12 months, not only with your own quarterbacks, but or with with the, with the collegiate quarterbacks. Um, wow, Mark D'Antonio stepping down at Michigan State. Dang. He had a hell of a run there. Yeah. Um, but I also could come back to Joey like, what happens if the Colts win 10 games? Now you're drafting 23. Now you don't have the Washington second round pick at 34. <sighs> you're just delaying it. Yeah, for sure. Uh, from Colin, if Derek Carr was on the trade block, would you make an attempt to trade for him? And what would you give up if so? He's 28 and has three years left on his deal, posted career numbers in 2019. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, very fair question. Joey, when I when I look at the um the current group of NFL quarterbacks that you could sign in for agency or trade for, I like Teddy Bridgewater, and if you're gonna make me pick another one, it'd probably be Carr. Um He dealt with a lot of dysfunction out there in Oakland. I don't think he dealt with the greatest amount of skill players either. I mean, that dude was was he gonna be the MVP of the league? 
before Trent Cole broke his leg late in that 2016 season. And he was on his way, yeah. And, and, and Oakland mean, was on their way to being a top yep. one or two seed and making a run. So I I, I think um, there might be like a stigma with Derek Carr of like, nah, he sucks. He lo- David Carr loses and they lose together and the cars suck. I'm not there. Again, if you're going to make me pick, I don't love going free agency trade route at quarterback, but I'm not like ignoring it. I would say Bridgewater and then Carr. What would I give up for Carr? Boy, I'd really like to avoid giving up a first-round pick. I don't know if you're going to be able to do that. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. You know, can you can you get by with 34 overall and like a, I don't know, another third? Maybe they'd want two seconds. I have no idea what what, what it would look like. But uh, I'm not uh, – I don't think about Derek Carr like I think about Phillip Rivers. From Blind Penguin, can't the Colts financially afford to drastically overpay Costanzo to keep him from retirement, even if it means giving him a blank check? It would seem worth it. So you can push the need for left tackle off through two to three more years while you hopefully figure out the quarterback situation. I'm sure retirement sounds nice, but money talks. I know it didn't stop luck, but Costanzo doesn't have the same injury history. Love the show. Yeah, blind blind penguin. Those are all um great points you make. Joey, I just don't think twenty two million versus fifteen million a year is changing Anthony Costanzo. N- nor would Chris Bauer again just hand a blank check to him. You just no GM is setting that sort of precedent for a non quarterback. That's just how it is. Anthony Costanzo is not about the money in the situation. I know Tom Condon is his agent, and they will play the game the right way, but at the end of the day, Anthony Costanzo is not sitting there and saying, hand me a blank check or else I'm not going to come back. You know, it, it doesn't come down to that for him. So I think the Colts have made it abundantly clear what they think of Anthony Costanzo. They have publicly said, we think he's the best tackle in, left tackle in football. I'm almost positive Frank Reich has said that. Okay, uh, you say that publicly. Tom Condon will be like, all right, uh, left tackles here. Tyron Smith makes this, and you know, mm-hmm. you know, Ronnie Stanley's going to make that. Okay, this is what I want. Like, He's going to get a nice payday. So um, I don't think that is that, that, that is it at all. From JJ, says, back to hashtag Ballard. Oh, JJ's back. Yeah, how can anyone trust him to procure a quarterback? He started Scott Tolzien in his first season as GM, trusted to – Trusted Jacoby, three wins in 2017 and seven in 2019. Just because he helped research Mahomes doesn't make him a guru. You know what, uh, JJ? Clearly, there is a you know strong anti-Ballard um, sentiment coming from JJ. But in all seriousness, there is an unknown with Ballard in evaluating quarterbacks. I mean, um, yes, Patrick Mahomes and, and the amount of insight there is something that you're like, okay, that's that's great, obviously. Um, Tolzien was horrible, and Jacoby was, I don't know, it, it, okay. Um, and evaluating quarterbacks is, is totally different. It, it, it's just a different element to roster building. Um, it's the most unique element to it as well, and it gets graded and scrutinized probably the most heavily. So um, I don't think we can look at like a little bit of Mahomes, Tolzien, Brissett, and make like a concrete assumption. They're all vastly different mm-hmm. situations. Um, hell, maybe he just wanted to start Tolzien to be like, uh, Chuck, I don't want you to go there anymore. <laughs> right. So, you know, here's guy. And then he saw week one, he's like, that was embarrassing. <laughs> we can't have that anymore. Um, so, yeah, I, I, don't, I, I, I don't think we can have a great 
just a great take on that. I I, I think there's an unknown, and and we're going to find out. Because as we've mentioned before, Ballard has not been a part of drafts as a high-level scout where they've taken quarterbacks very high. You know, he wasn't in Kansas City when they ultimately pulled the – pulled that deal off and, and took Patrick Mahomes number number uh, 10 overall from Michael with the rumors about Rivers I wonder if there may be a thought of having Rivers on a two-year deal Brissett as a 2020 pairing with hope that Kelly Chad Kelly eventually forces his way into the position possibly back up in 2021 and starter by 2022 mm. no no I can't I can't see that um, that's a really long-term plan you know, I would be curious if they signed Phillip Rivers, how would that impact the future at quarterback in terms of what resources you hand out this offseason? You know, does that all of a sudden mean you don't draft a quarterback early? You draft a developmental project round five? Um, you know, clearly this question is indicating that Chad Kelly would be that that person. Um, you know, carrying Chad Kelly on your practice squad can't happen for much longer, so you'd be forced to carry three quarterbacks on your 53 which we know the the difficulty in that. Something I did want to mention that doesn't necessarily pertain to this question, Joey, but just in general. I've made it clear that I think the Colts will spend in free agency this year a little bit more than they have in years past, and I've laid out some of the reasons why. Another reason why that I don't think I've mentioned, but remember, this is year four of teams having to spend 89% of their cap. The CBA calls for that rule. Mm-hmm. The Colts still have to spend a decent amount of money. And while some extensions internally will get you to a large chunk of that, you still have to spend some. So, again, that that is probably like reason number four or five I think the Colts will spend this offseason. But it is something that I know a lot of people are curious about and probably something we don't talk about enough. But that's something just to keep in mind. From Mike. Question for the next pod. How's our punting game going? From what I've watched, Sanchez is a top seven punter in the league and looks like a guy we want to keep around for a while. I love every once every uh, eight podcasts, a good punter question. Oh, yeah. Mike, God bless you. Um, top seven or eight punter? I think that's fair. You know, I, I, I thought Rigo should have been in the Pro Bowl last year. I, I made that very clear. Um, I know Bubba Ventrone, who looks like will maintain his job um, coming back. Um, which I'm not totally shocked by. Again, I think I've at times I've made it I mentioned on this podcast that yeah, while he might be a scapegoat, it's one of those things like can you really blame him for Adam Vinatieri's right leg just failing or left leg, I guess, with um, where the injury was in that left knee. But uh, yeah, Rigo Rigo's a good punter. He's under contract for I think three more years. No issue there whatsoever. For Mocha. Says, Kevin, love the podcast. The only issue I have with what you said about quarterback is I believe beyond Burrow and Tua, there isn't a quarterback worth the 13th pick. So it is better to reach for a guy like Love at 13 or taking Fromm or Gordon at 34. I would take the gamble at 34. I know reach is a scary word when talking about the draft, Joey. Find me one quarterback that a team hasn't reached for in round one over the last five years. Like every quarter, like if I know this is really difficult to do, but if somehow you could get quarterbacks to line up evenly, evenly with all the other position groups on a board, like Daniel Jones at six, Josh Rosen at 10, 
And I even want to mention like some quarterbacks that have done well in the NFL, like Josh Allen at seven. Like if you're going to take their numbers and their production in college, that doesn't equate to being top ten picks. But the position means so damn much. So you have to reach. I, I again, I know that sounds bad and will make some GMs just shrivel, but that's the reality of it. So. You know, th- this question might not think that Justin Herbert or Jordan Love or Jacob Eason or Jake Fromm are worthy of first-round picks. I'd be shocked if more than one of them got to the second round. That's just, it's the reality of doing business in the NFL in the year 2020. Whether you like it or not, mm-hmm. get used to it. From John, is there anybody in the world that doesn't like Jack Doyle? No. Uh, maybe Eric Ebron. <laughs> no, actually, I think Ebron likes him. Yeah, likable guy. Everybody sure. likes him. From Matt, how important is it that Indy drafts a quarterback who could win a Super Bowl on their rookie deal? Are any of hmm. this year's prospects likely to do that? That's interesting. Um, I was over at Pacers practice earlier today, Joey, and as I was walking in, they had on your guy, Colin Cowherd. <laughs> um, and uh, I just caught something how he mentioned how if you look at recent history, you haven't seen Super Bowl winning quarterbacks ranking like the top ten highest paid players in the NFL, mm-hmm. which I thought was interesting, um, and it makes a lot of sense. So I think Matt 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 asks a, a great question here. I think it was Matt asks a, a, a terrific question here because the culture in a great cap situation. Even if they do take a quarterback at 13 overall, they're still going to be in a really favorable cap situation moving forward. It does offer you this opportunity to where you can give a Tyreek Hill extension. You can pay Travis Kelsey top money. You could potentially, with some cap cuts elsewhere, bring back Chris Jones. Uh, they go out and get Honey Badger. They pay for Sammy Watkins. Like You can build around and get a nice core in place before you give Mahomes the biggest contract in NFL history. So... Um, I mean, think about it. If you draft a quarterback this year, that's five years, including that first-round team option, that you have a quarterback on the rookie deal. I think if you don't get to a if you don't get to a Super Bowl in five years, unless your divisional championship round appearances annually. Again, in today's NFL, I don't see Chris Bauer and Frank Reich having a job in five years. Again, that's just the nature. Of life in the NFL. So, um, yeah, I think it's paramount. It, it, it is paramount because there are needs on this football team elsewhere than just quarterback. Is T.Y. Hilton going to be here at the end of that rookie quarterback's deal? Probably not. Is Andy Costanza going to be here? Maybe, and that's a that's a hard maybe. Is Justin Houston? No. So, yes, it is vital that you build a Super Bowl-caliber football team in the next handful of years, not only for uh, fan fans' patience, but um, just the reality of, of you know how you need to build an NFL football team. From Alex, who is closer to being a legit contender, the Pacers or Colts? Oh, God. That's a good one. I think it's easier to win in the NFL. It's easier to... There's more parity in the NFL than there is the NBA. Man. 
I will say the Pacers, just with the caveat of like the Victor Oladipo we've seen in these three games, um, obviously he's got to shoot the ball infinitely better than he's shooting it right now. But like, if he can become a top fifteen player in the league again, and Giannis goes the West, then the East is very open. But that's the only reason. Mm. I think you could make a you could make a good case for the Colts as well. What do you think? I think because of what you started off with, that it's got to be the Colts. Parody. I mean, you look at San Fran, like you said, they won three games last year, first yeah, overall pick, like and then go to the Super Bowl the next year. I know that it's probably not going to be that drastic for the Colts, but just the fact that that's a possibility. But see, San Francisco had this, Joey, going for them. They had a guy they believed is a top 15 quarterback in the league already on their roster, just had torn his ACL. And then, the, like, like you said, they had the number one overall pick, so then they got a player that's one of the best defensive players in the league. The Colts can't cross those needs off this offseason. They just can't. They they, they they don't they lack the resources and they lack the player. I think Garoppolo is a definitely better player than Jacoby Brissett. And so that's why um I just think that's what makes it more difficult. But I, I don't have a great I, I think you could make good cases for, for either side of that. From at Colts chatter, will the Colts let Anthony Walker walk? next year or is he in the long-term plan seems like okariki could replace him yeah but i i think walker could be in the long-term plans you know i think he brings a ton of leadership which should not be taken for granted and i think he can play multiple spots so um yeah let's not let's not write off anthony walker yet from peyton thoughts on jacob eason at 13 a little too high for my liking I, I don't have a great feel on Eason. I think he's like that quarter he's like that fifth quarterback. You know, I think it's mm-hmm. I really wish Tua wasn't hurt. I like Tua. I really like Tua. Well, if he wasn't hurt you probably it's probably better off that he is hurt though, right? I mean if yeah. you like him that much. Yeah, I know. Obviously yeah, yeah, he yeah. Fall. if he wasn't hurt, he'd probably be going one or two or something. Yeah. Um Yeah. I, I if the medicals checked out, I'd look long and hard at a trading up for him. From Jordan Love season, speaking of uh, quarterbacks, my guy. Uh, wide receivers are pretty big need. Do you value speed or size more currently? Oh, gosh. That's a great question. Joey, I'll say this. Go find me a dude that when that pigskin is curled under his you know, right armpit shoulder area, that dude can go take it to the house. I don't know if that size, I don't know if that speed, it's just a playmaker after the catch. Mm-hmm. A, he can come down to the football, yes, but then go create a play off script. You don't see the you haven't seen that enough from the Colts. They don't have a guy that can catch a, you know, a slant or can go high point a 50-50 ball and make a play. That's why I I like Deion Kane so much because he gave you something that it doesn't take Frank Reich's expertise to to scheme up, coupled with ten guys doing their job. Find me a guy that three guys do their job on offense, and they go make a play. If you're going to narrow me down to those traits, I want size and I want speed because that's what you tried last year. Funches, size, Campbell, speed. I like that route, and I think you need to compliment um, Hilton with that. From Elijah, heard we were interested in Phillip Rivers. How much are we interested in him, and how realistic would a signing be? Also, if we do sign him, shouldn't that mean we have to draft a quarterback for him to learn his first year behind him? 
Well, we hit a lot on Philip Rivers last week. If you missed that podcast, check it out. Um, <laughs> it'd be incredibly entertaining, and it'd be so maddening if Philip Rivers was your quarterback. Mm-hmm. Colts fans, you know, I'm just, I'm just let. I'm, I'm just letting you know, folks. That's exactly what what it would be. I think it's a stopgap. I think it's a band aid. I think it's a band aid that like covers up the wound for two days, and then you take it off, and you're like, shit, I got to put another one back on. Yeah. You know, it's just like it doesn't fully take care of it. Now, the Sirianni right connection to me is this, Joey. We're gonna see in the next month and a half the Colts are gonna have to show their cards a little bit, and by that I mean this: if they go sign a a QB. Or trade for a QB. What it means is this: they don't like those draft eligible quarterbacks as much as maybe we we think they do, or as much as it would take resources to go get that quarterback. Maybe they love Tua. Maybe they love Herbert, but they're not willing to move up to the top five. Mm-hmm. So, um, if they if they signed Rivers, I would still want a quarterback. Um, I would want a quarterback drafted before round five. From Kevin, what is the most likely, drafting zero wide receivers or drafting two wide receivers? Oh, man. I love these. Mm-hmm. Kevin, two wideouts, two. I think last week we had the question, uh, taking two wideouts in the first four picks. I don't like that necessarily. I think you have nine selections this year. And I know some people um, – at least I got a DM from somebody the other day on the Evan Bame trade and what draft pick that got back for, for the Colts. I need to double-check this, but I believe what that did is that just swapped seven-round picks for the Colts. So now instead of drafting you know, 13th overall in the seventh round, they'll now draft... Um, it's my, where's Miami? Like fifth overall, something like that, sixth overall? Yeah, yeah. They would now draft like sixth overall. From Mark, if Ballard allowed you to make one move for the team this offseason, what move would you make? But it has to be something you think could actually be pulled off. Oh, see, Mark asked this last week, and I said trade for Patrick Patrick Mahomes. Mark's clarified it. Uh, I'm glad to see Mark and I are on the same page. Mark is a great friend of mine, for those of you that care, which is none of you. All right, Mark. Um, Mark sometimes goes into the alias Cornelius Washington. Cornelius, I would say um, Chris Jones or Jadavian Clowney. I think I'm more team interior than Ngakwe, Vic Beasley. But, dude, I I like Amari Cooper, too. But I think, um, again, realistic, I think it's, uh, it's, uh, it's Chris Jones. Slightly over Clowney. Clowney's got wild and got crazy, which I like. But I'm a little nervous he's too crazy. But then I I always think this too. Signing guys that just won the Super Bowl, I get nervous they're too complacent. Mm-hmm. Maybe See it every year. Maybe the that's teams. unfair for me to say. Is it is it unfair for me to say? Or do you think there's no there's I think it's yeah, I think there definitely is. How many of those Broncos players from that um team that didn't beat the Seahawks, but then the team that won Super Bowl fifty when signed with the Jags and kind of just disappeared? Yeah, Malik Jackson. Yeah. Remember Julius Thomas? Mm. Great call. Uh, from Adam, are you afraid of Joey Molinero developing an impersonation of you and self-publishing future episodes of the podcast alone? Um, <laughs> kind of. I, th- Joey would have to be so bored to do that. 
That's an hour of rambling. But secondly, I know, Joe, I know you have an impersonation of me. Or I know you at least, I mean, you've heard me talk for at least an hour. You've heard me talk for at least 250 hours <laughs> of life. And that doesn't even begin to go into our casual conversations that we have outside of this room. So, yeah, I mean, I know full well that there are things that I repeat often, mannerisms I have that you could probably whip out. Man, honestly, I I don't. And you, you probably won't believe that, but I I have not even had a time where somebody's asked me to do one or that I've, like, tried to do one. It's not even. Now, now I'm nervous. We've planted this seed in him. <laughs> it's Luckily, even, he has far there. more important people to impersonate <laughs> and for some reason people have missed that or totally have no idea what we're talking about <laughs> at Joey Molinero right on yeah, Twitter yeah, yeah. and uh, that is a one-stop shop for some of the more hilarious impersonations you will ever see uh, from Andrew Fisher were you surprised that the 49ers winning percentage was over 96 percent on Sunday maybe it's just me but it never felt like that game was out of hand for the Chiefs if the Chiefs tag and trade Chris Jones, would you be willing to get what would you be willing to give up to get him? Well, I think what Andrew's referencing is ninety six percent when they were up ten with seven minutes to go. I assume that's what he was mm-hmm. referencing. Mm-hmm. And obviously, Joey, I don't know how analytics work like to that crazy sort of win probability within a game, like to that degree. I assume they don't take into consideration the opponent. I assume it's just kind of like score and time and NFL history. Of you know, of all the games played in the NFL, teams that are up ten with seven minutes to go and have the ball, or I think sure, they have the sure. ball. You know, they win ninety six percent of the games. Dude, the Chiefs are never out. That's such a good comparison you made to the Warriors. They're just never out of it, and that that comes back to to my quarterback point. There is fear. There is Bill Belichick, two thousand nine Sunday Night Football, Lucas Oil Stadium, saying, "I'm not punting the ball away to the Colts." on fourth and two, backed up on my own 30 with a minute whatever to go in the game because they have Peyton F. and Manny. There is a fear component. And if you can have that, not only does that make your opponent scared and put more pressure on your opponent, but it also makes you really damn good. (laughs) So that just reiterates even more what I think about the quarterback position. And having said all that, what the hell was Kyle Shanahan doing with that clock management at the end of the first half? Like, you've got to score. Bill O'Brien joked about it in the week leading up to the Houston game. He's like, we got to score 50. Well, then he got in the game, and he had a fourth and one when they're up 21-0, and he gets scared, and he mm-hmm. and he kicks a field goal, and then he's like, oh, God, now i got to fake a punt. Like, you have got to score and score and score against Kansas City. Because if you would have told me before the Super Bowl, Joey, that the 49ers are going to settle for two field goals, screw up time management, and lose time of possession, I would have said they lost by two scores. Now, obviously, how it all unfolded was much differently than I would have guessed. But against that team, against that offense, man, you can't play scared. From Matt Voles, he asked about Chris Jones. Oh, yeah, sorry. I didn't answer the Chris Jones part earlier. Oh, uh, I think the previous question asked about Jones. I would um, – I think the question was about franchise tagging and then trading for Chris yeah. Jones. That's yeah. – so it would be Kansas City franchise tagging, or it would be Kansas City maybe re- resign him to a new deal, and then they trade him to you. Um, I think 
That's what Clowney, I think that's what Clowney did with the Seahawks this past year. I could be wrong. Um, now that's a lot, Joey, because think about it. That, is, that means you're giving them draft capital, and then you've got to give him money. Now the Colts have the resources to do that, but that would be Chris Ballard going into, you know, uncharted territory. Like, you know. That'd be being like, oh, I climbed, you know, I climbed a steep hill in Indianapolis today. I'm going to go climb Mount Everest tomorrow. Yeah. Like, if th- that would be a lot for Ballard to do. If I were to do it, I don't think I'd give up anything. I don't think I'd give up that 34th pick, maybe the 46th pick. And, and who knows? Or uh, I think it's 46, maybe it's 44. Um, who knows? Maybe it would take a lot higher than that. But I don't know if I love Chris Jones to that point. I like him a lot. You just got to hope Kansas City just can't flat out pay him. Uh, Brian wants to know uh, if you would have any interest in Derek Carr, if possible. Yeah. Touched on that earlier. Yep. Yep. Um, Casey with a K, who's your favorite comedian? Well, Joey. Um, I don't know if Joey consider Joey considers himself as he should a lot more than just an impersonator or a comedian. I know, I know you, you've done a couple stand ups, right? Yeah, here? yeah, I've done it. I'm still, you know, kind of in the progress. So those these have just been open mics, right? Yeah, just just things like that. So, um, um, favorite comedian. I think Kevin Hart's terrible. Not a Kevin Hart guy, yeah. No, yeah. I'm not. That's all right. Um, who are some comedians that I should like? Big right now, uh, Bill Burr, uh, yeah. Joe Rogan, um, Rogan. I do Sebastian like Sebastian Maniscalco. Rogan's got the big podcast. Yeah, yeah. I've listened to a few of um. Yeah, he play, He was at uh, Old National last year, I think he was. Uh-huh. Yeah, Rogan would be, yeah, probably the one. Really? Okay. Mine's Chris D'Elia. Okay. He's really good. Um, but, yeah. Um, Zach Palmer, who's got bragging rights for the best hair on the team? Huh. I've thought about that. Sorry, I don't think about players hair uh who's got the best hair on the team costanzo's got that long long flow if you look at a anthony costanzo rookie picture versus now whew, it's hilarious the differences costanzo's got he's got a good amount of gray in that hair as well um which i can respect oh man is, is it straight cat. buzz right buzz cat. yeah um, <laughs> Nelson's starting to get a little flow going. He cut it though. Did he? Remember that Instagram story he put up oh, after yeah. the Pro Bowl? Oh my gosh, dude, <laughs> that was so awkward. Um, who's got good hair on the defense? What about Luke Rhodes. Yeah, Luke Rhodes still got good hair. Luke Rhodes is probably like all the girls are just obsessed with Luke yeah. Rhodes. Um, trying to think. Clayton, I always like Clayton Gathers' hair. Willie Cooker, maybe? Yeah, Gathers or Hooker. Yeah. Pretty solid. Um, let's go with Yash. Uh, hey, KB, let's say we do draft a quarterback. Do you believe this is the best place for him to sit, to sit behind Jacoby? For some reason, I feel like Jacoby isn't as keen on teaching a new quarterback, unlike Alex Smith was. Yeah, you know, that that's kind of the um, <laughs> the awkward situation that you get into with any of this. And maybe is that a reason why you'd keep Brian Hoyer? I I don't think so, but I don't know. Maybe, maybe it would be. But, yeah, that's something that 
is probably like your 13th most important quarterback question to answer mm-hmm, this offseason. Mm-hmm. But it, it, it is, it's popped up, you know. It's definitely popped into my mind. So it's something that I've thought about, but I, I don't. I don't think he'd be great, great at it. I don't think he'd be horrific at it. Like, at the end of the day, are you just going to be a straight-up, like, asshole to the guy? Like, you know, it's just that sounds like well, a miserable I mean, quarterback room to be in for four months. I don't know. Maybe you are. You've been around Jacoby more than, uh, more than <laughs> yeah, I have. He's I, not, I, I know. know, but I don't know. I just think there's a level of just simply being a good human being that, that that's a miserable environment for you to be in. Like, you literally are in that quarterback room for – Mm-hmm. X amount of hours every day. Uh, from Brett, thoughts on Eric Armstead as a free agent? Ooh, uh, can he play in the 4-3? If he can, sign me up. I don't know if he can be that three technique, but he did some three technique type stuff in that Super Bowl. That um, or Do they play 4-3? Yeah, I think San Francisco switched to a 4-3. I think about it. Um, I think he was originally drafted for a 3-4. So, yeah, I would um, – yeah, Armstead's another name that that. To keep, I mean, I go back, Joey. That defensive line group, it's got some names in free agency. It's got some nice names. Mm-hmm. Uh, from Drew Rush, is Vic Beasley on the Colts' radar? Uh, I think he should be for this reason. I am such a believer, which I think Chris Ballard kind of falls into this category. Any former first round pick, especially at positions of premium need if they're under the age of 30 kick those tires kick them i know beasley had a really disappointing season but still man he's had some really bright spots and oh that super bowl run year huge so um again that is something that uh i'd be looking into last one i got here from our guy stan cal he says the NFL has just made a new expansion team and some billionaire owner has decided to give Kevin Bowen a John Gruden-esque deal oh with 10 years of job security. What is a snapshot of your team-building strategy? Go 0-16 the first two years, get fired, get the eight years of contract money and ride off and just live <laughs> the life. There you go. Live it. Just yeah. let, play golf every day, man. And just, just live off that money. And then inevitably ESPN will hire me as an analyst and I'll be good. Yeah. Um Surefire plan there. Boy, I would pray Literally. for just pray for a generational quarterback, number one overall. Um But no, I you know, I do agree with Ballard's philosophy of the trenches mean a lot. I definitely agree with that. Um, how I would tweak some things is I probably, again, would use free agency a little bit more. And uh, and I tap into the to the skill group. You know, I, I think that is the – and in general, I, I, I would hire more – I love the aggression and innovation on offense. I'd want more of that on defense. I'd want, like, Dean Pease, Tennessee sort of disguising – pre-snap, those sorts of things. That would kind of be some of my altering that I would do. Um, I feel like there was something I was going to mention. can't really think of it off the top of my head right now. But, yeah. All right. That's all I got. Okay. We had a couple over here that I was just going to throw in here. Matt goes, do you think that spending this offseason is smart? In my opinion, I would hang on to the cap. I think the culture in Indianapolis is not ready for a culture shock. The roster is too young and impressionable. One bad apple could ruin the entire basket. Hashtag trust in Ballard. 
Um, I, I think that's a fine line, Matt, that you've walked for three years, and I, I'm I'm ready to walk on um, a bit of a different line in year four. I'm not saying just bring in a bunch of jackasses, but, like, bring in a little more talent. Mm-hmm. Spend in free agency a little bit more. Again, you don't have to just all of a sudden bring in a bunch of Antonio Browns, but sure. a little bit more than that. Um Steven, who would you prefer, Herbert or Love? What are the chances we can get Love in the second round? I think pretty slim. Uh, probably Herbert over Love, but, man, I, I I like Love, but every time I think I like Love, Joey, I also come with the impression of Frank Reich developing him, which makes me, I think, like Love even more. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. I, I know you've, mm-hmm. you, you've, you've grown to liking that even more and more here as of late as well. So, um, so yeah. All right, man. Cool. Well, uh, what's coming up? I know we got the Paytons next week. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, we do our annual Paytons. So uh, Joey will be pubbing out some stuff on Instagram and on the site. We give uh, our annual awards for kind of the Indianapolis, state of Indiana area over the past year with the Oscars coming this Sunday. The Combine's in three weeks. Three oh. weeks. I am really looking forward to that. I believe primetime this year. So fans can, I think, watch a little bit more of that. Um which, you know, the NFL just taps into that a little bit more, so good for them. And, dude, I mean, before you know it, it's free agency. Like, this is kind of – the next 14 days is typically a bit slow. You know, occasional coaching hiring gets finalized. You know, you you re-sign some of your own free agents. I think this time last year is when you re-signed Vinatieri, Glowinski, and maybe somebody else. Um, So maybe you have a few of those, but – I won't expect a whole lot of news in the next 14 days, but then once that combine comes, that's when every agent is in town meeting with respective personnel people from across the league. So, um, so yeah, you're definitely going to gonna tap into all that. So He's Joey Monero. I'm Kevin Bowen. Appreciate everyone listening to this edition of Kevin's Corner. If you haven't in a while, or if you haven't ever, um, please rate, please review, throw a comment on there. Uh, We greatly appreciate that. Subscribe on our YouTube page, 107.5 The Fan. And uh, as always, your written content is available, Kevin's Corner on 107.5thefan.com. Everybody have a great week, and we'll talk to you next week here on Kevin's Corner. This has been Kevin Bowen. Thank you for listening to another edition of Kevin's Corner. If you haven't already, subscribe on iTunes or Stitcher for the best Colts and Pacers coverage.